0: Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the Refuse to Lose podcast. My guest today is cross-code football superstar Charlotte Kazlick. Now Charlotte rose to prominence four years ago by leading the Australian women's rugby sevens team to Olympic gold in the sport's introduction to the Games. In doing so, her and her teammates achieved so much more. They were trailblazers in normalising women's contact sport in Australia, forcing the other major football codes around the country to invest heavily in their own women's leagues. Charlotte recently switched codes to play in the NRLW and was once again an absolute standout on the field before injury cut her season short. In this episode, we discuss changing sports. We speak about how she went from being a girl who was terrified of contact to becoming one of the best female footballers on the planet. We talk about body image and breaking down stereotypes about female athletes when it comes to their appearance. We also chat about the Olympics and her hopes of defending the girl's crown in Tokyo, plus plenty more left field staff, including Donald Trump, scary doll collections and cows. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Charlotte Kazlick.
1: Charlotte Kaslick, welcome to the Refuse to Lose podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Um, Well, I guess the first question, and I was just asking you, but it's, uh, how's your back? You've uh, ruled out of the NRLW season with a a fractured back, which doesn't sound too good. Uh, Tell us how it is.
2: Um, Yeah, it's okay. It definitely is a lot better than what it sounds. Um, It's probably only eight to 10 weeks on the sideline, um, which isn't as bad as some of the injuries I've had in the past, so... Um, yeah, it's okay. It's pretty sore, but um, I'm just resting and lapping up the sympathy I'm getting from everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How did you do it? Like, was it, it was innocuous? Like, it wasn't anything kind of a major...
2: Yeah, I just um, dived on a ball. It, like, hit the uprights and bounced off, so I dived on it and then the girl chasing kind of tripped over me and her knees went into my back. Um, Yeah, so it was like definitely an accident and whatnot, just bad timing and probably hit me on the sweet spot, but yeah, it's just footy.
1: Yeah, so I mean it cut short what was a a pretty uh, promising start to your rugby league career. How did you find playing in the NRLW?
2: Um, Yeah, it was fun. It was definitely different. Um, I think just... I don't know, like the high tackles, they were probably the first thing that I was like, whoa, this is so weird. Like I keep getting like multiple people tackling me around the head. But um, yeah, I think that was probably the only difference in terms of like the physicality of it. Um, But yeah, it was fun. And uh, you could think you could see the difference that the Rugby Sevens girls had just from coming from professional backgrounds, I guess. Um, We have that big training age behind us and it kind of showed on the field.
1: Rugby's Mm. different, isn't it? Like high tackle is like,
2: yeah, it's you go gone. Yeah, in yeah. sevens it's literally like red card, if not a yellow, definitely. Um, so yeah, it was like so different for us.
1: Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's pretty intense. That you know, there's some I saw like the girls get into each other. Like it's very <laughs> physical, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think they love that aspect, and I guess probably not being exposed to it as much. Once they get them like into contact sport, they really like find that they love it and um, thrive on running into each other.
1: How did you? How did it come about, you uh, moving into the NRLW, obviously, with the Olympics on hold this year? Like, Who called who? What, how, did, how did it happen?
2: Um, yeah, it was pretty much just when the Olympics got put on hold and we had, like, no certainty around when we would play sevens again. Um, and I'd had a pretty bad year with injuries and just wasn't enjoying my footy that much. And I think it was – yeah, my manager was like, let's have a go. Like, if they are interested, we'll – Hit them up, so we spoke to the Broncos um, as well as the Roosters. And um, the Roosters just seemed like a really good club, and the people around there were um, super friendly and nice. And yeah, that's sort of why we went there and kind of just went from there. It was just sort of just to get me playing footy again, um, not just training for the sake of it.
1: What about the kind of um, technical difficulty, differences like switching from obviously seven people on a field, a lot of room? You know, a lot of one-on-one tackling. Like how how was it different for you? And I know you played a couple of different positions, but how did you find the the change mostly?
2: Um, yeah, it was definitely a lot more structured. So sometimes I'd kind of be like, can you just pass me the ball like straight away? Like, why does it have to touch five people before it gets to me? <laughs> um, but I think they, yeah, they obviously enjoy running their plays and stuff. Whereas at sevens, we just swing the ball around as much as we want and um, probably don't have as much patience as what the league girls are taught to have. So that was probably the major difference was just, yeah, knowing that I didn't have to get my hands on the ball every tackle and just sort of like wait and wait for the moment, I guess.
1: That that frustrates me about rugby league sometimes. Like I think there's just – there's really good players and they probably just need the ball. And sometimes rugby league gets a bit too – yeah, you're probably right, structured or they've got to put on players or they are got to work to an area to set something up. <laughs> and it's like, like, just give it to him. Like you've got – you know, a Latrell Mitchell in the centres or someone, just give him the ball.
2: Yeah, like, literally. Is,
1: is that what you think? Yeah,
2: fully. And um, like our whole game plan was around one-on-one tackles and I was like most good players can get to a one-on-one without having it set up for them. Like that's what they're good at. Like Latrell, for example, like he'll find a one-on-one no matter what. It's not that no one needs to help him get there. So um, that was probably the frustrating thing for me was just sort of the structure behind it and not being able to just play what's in front of you and freely. Um, but then again, I think it taught me some really good things like um, straightening up the line and all of that, which in sevens probably isn't as, as important.
1: Yeah, okay. What position did you prefer playing? You played in the halves, played a bit of fullback. Where where'd you prefer?
2: Um, yeah, I think I preferred fullback. Just coming from, like, I only met the girls two weeks before I played. So I think I only was really starting to know their names by the first, like, week of the game. Um, so being at... Five eight, it was sort of I don't know I just didn't feel comfortable bossing them around and getting them to position and um like with my sevens girls I'm so happy to yell at them and make them do what I want them to but um with girls I didn't really know yet I found that a little bit daunting and um whereas at fullback I kind of placed myself where I wanted to be and they were telling me if they wanted me in their little play or whatever but um yeah so I think I liked fullback a little bit more.
1: Who kind of taught you was there someone that you pick the brains of, I know, an NRL player or which, or which of the girls or one of the boys. Like, is there someone that kind of helped
0: you?
2: Um, My, like, dad always sort of would give me tips, but he's also very – prefers the unstructured sort of play. So I'd have to be like, dad, that's not what the coach is saying. So <laughs> chill. Bye, um, but mainly the assistant coach, um, John Strange, he was awesome with me. He sat down with me, like, countless times with footage and – did like one-on-one sessions and like would go through the whole field and positionally where I needed to be, especially when I went to fullback with like counting numbers at the back and um, all of that. So yeah, he was awesome and put in so much time and effort. And then, yeah, I felt really bad when I got injured. I was like, Oh, sorry. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was lovely.
1: So yeah, you mentioned the injury, like how frustrating, I guess, or devastating that it's grand final this weekend the girls are going to be out there playing and, and, and you don't get the taste of it?
2: Uh, yeah, it's definitely disappointing. Um, yeah, and I also, like the day before, I'd spoken to the Origin, um, Queensland Origin, and they kind of were seeing if I was interested and I cleared it with rugby that I was going to get available for that time period. So um, but that was also pretty disappointing because it's might be the only chance I get to play Origin if yeah. I'm still playing rugby, just with the timings of things. So, um, that was a bummer, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's footy, so just got to take it.
1: So, yeah, you're a Queenslander. Because yeah, <laughs> okay. as I was saying to you before, I grew up in Queensland, but I was born in New South Wales and I'm – Go for yourself up, <laughs> yeah. so oh yeah that that does suck there yeah, like you've seen would have seen the the, the girls' origin which is kind of just growing and growing over the last couple of years it's pretty crazy they get a massive crowd in North Sydney and stuff like that like that would have been awesome to be a part of
2: yeah definitely it's an awesome spectacle and um, would have given me a chance to play with the likes of Ali Brigginshaw and um, those girls that are at the Broncos but Queenslanders and um, that I'd love to play with one day so. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame, but hopefully it does work out in the next couple of years and, yeah, we'll see, but it's, yeah, sad.
1: I was going to say, yeah, do you think that possibly, you know, obviously the season's so short, but there might be a chance in the next couple of years that you might think about rugby league again and if if it works out timing-wise?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, Like, I've been with Sevens for, I think, eight seasons, so um like they're always keen for me to freshen up and if I need to do what I've got to do to keep coming back to the sevens and um wanting to improve and whatnot like they're so happy and supportive of that um which is awesome I guess so yeah if it all aligns like next year the Olympics will finish in August and um I'll be off contract so again we can just look at our options after that
1: Touch with the Olympics is <laughs> yeah. who knows what's going to happen. We'll get onto the Olympics in a little bit, but I want to uh, talk about, I guess, your how you got into rugby sevens to start off with, like because um, I know you were telling me that you played a lot of touch, but you played a lot of other sports when you were growing up, hockey, athletics, things like that. How did you decide rugby sevens? Because I mean, it wasn't probably one of the biggest sports coming through for girls, especially when when you were younger.
2: Um, yeah, for sure. I yeah, played hockey and athletics was probably my main thing like all through primary school and a little bit of high school and then um it was probably I played like opens touch in year eight for one game um and we ended up winning and like it was like this big thing for the school and everyone was stoked and I think after that I was kind of like oh I think this is my sport like I'm really good at it like I didn't get as nervous as I did for athletics and um I don't know I was just comfortable playing so I yeah like didn't give away everything else, but chose to focus on touch football, which, looking back, is a pretty strange decision. Um, considering <laughs> hockey and athletics both have bigger,
1: probably more, yeah, opportunities, pathways. Yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, whereas touch, you kind of get to play for Australia and then versus New Zealand, and that's sort of. As far as you can go, like a professional
1: next level, I guess.
2: Um, But it's fun. So I just love that aspect of it, I think. And yeah, so that was sort of what I was doing. I was so happy doing that. But then um, I was playing under 18s for Australia when I was 15. And we got a letter in the mail from Rugby Australia asking if we wanted um, to come to a training camp. And then I went along and hated it. and like was like petrified and then dad and like my parents, they both sort of were just like, oh, just like give it a chance. Like don't just rule it out straight away. Like, you know, it's in the Olympic Games and um, yeah, so I kind of stuck with it and eventually got over my fear of tackling and then, yeah, it was just as fun as touch, I guess.
1: So that that was probably what? That's 2012 we're talking or?
2: 2011 11, yeah. yeah. Okay, so
1: the Olympics is still a fair way off. Yeah. Um, it was twenty twenty six 2016 was the first year that the league, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, I was telling you before that we, uh, we know some mutual people because, uh, grew up in Queensland and, uh, a friend of mine and, and yours, Murphy Allendorf, who's a, a hockey player that we both know, she, uh, I messaged her and I said, Oh, I'm, I'm interviewing Charlotte. Like, can you tell me something about her? Something that other people might know, not know. And she said, Oh, it was funny. Um, I saw her a couple of years ago at the Youth Olympics and uh, I was playing hockey and she was playing rugby and I had a chat to her and she said, oh, I'm so scared of this. Like, I don't (laughs) want to, I hate getting tackled. I hate like the whole contact of it all. Like, you just started playing sevens. Uh, And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting that, you know, there's this girl that you see now who's (laughs) dominated sevens rugby, but you're just not about the contact at all.
2: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. So when I first started, properly playing after the, like dabbling in the training camps with the um women's team um so I was back playing with my own age group which definitely helped because um, we were all new to it so it wasn't as though like there was people that had been playing for years and they were just like blowing us off rocks and being really scary so um yeah we were all new to it and we were all learning at the same pace which I think definitely helped us um but yeah I played for Queensland and like the school girls, and then got selected in the Australian youth team and went to the Youth Olympics. And I think maybe eight girls from that team went on to make our women's open squad eventually. So um, yeah, we we're a pretty talented group of girls back then for kids that had just started playing like six months earlier.
1: Yeah, that's pretty incredible. What did you have to do? I guess physicality wise, like in that time to then change are like you playing touch and I imagine you're probably quite nimble and skinny. And then you have obviously had to put on muscle to play a contact sport. Like how did your kind of training regime change and your focus change?
2: Um, yeah, definitely training in the gym helped. I think at the start, again, that was like a big thing for a lot of us. We didn't want to get bigger and we were so worried about what we looked like. And, um, when like new girls join our squad now, like it's, probably good that we've all been through sort of that same transition and um yeah I think these days being strong and healthy is probably more um celebrated and it's sort of like a bit of a trend at the moment on Instagram like looking fit so um that definitely helps I think when girls join our program and we try and get them lifting heavier but it 100% helps like you can yeah, tell that as soon as you get stronger, like your body just gets more resilient as well to injury and it doesn't hurt as much. And um, yeah, so that was probably the massive difference. And then just practicing it. I think for me, like I found passing and stepping and all that sort of stuff so fun. So I'd do it all the time, but then never wanted to practice my tackling. So as soon as I realized that, um, like I had to work on that a lot harder because it didn't come naturally to me, that was probably the changing point for me was just... Working on my weaknesses more so than just constantly trying to get better at my strengths.
1: What's that? What's tackling practice? I mean, like, are you literally going down to the the park and yeah, I don't know, tackling bags or?
2: Um, yeah, it was pretty much me and Alicia Quirk. She um, was starting at the same time as me. Also came through touch, um, and yeah, just me and her used to constantly just get told to like go off to the side together, and we'd just tackle each other over and over and over um, until. We could tackle and then we started getting selected, which was nice. Um, But yeah, so now on like our stat boards, both of us probably lead tackles in tournaments and all of that. So it's pretty crazy to see that we were the two that um, probably couldn't tackle at the start. And now we're, yeah, leading all the numbers in that
1: aspect. What is it like when you first, I guess, notice that you've that strength is there now? You've like you've been working out and and then you realize that not only do I have to not be afraid of tackling, I can like I've actually got the strength to kind of really dominate girls or, like, win rucks, win tackles?
2: Probably for, like, a few years I was just – I played sweeper, so, like, I was just cover tackling and um, probably about 2016, like, the Olympic year was probably when I got really confident at the ruck and, like, was getting turnovers. And um, obviously at sweeper it's a good place to be to get turnovers. So um, for me being able to add that to our team – um, was really helpful because, like, obviously if the girls make their tackles then I can get over the ball straight away. Um, yeah, it's added, like, another dynamic to my game and because I like playing quick. So if I can win penalties and play on straight away, it kind of helps the way I want to play and, yeah, helps our team.
1: You touched on a really interesting point before and I just want to kind of go back to it. Um, the body image stuff, like when you said you first started playing and, and you didn't, girls didn't want to put on weight or didn't want to put on muscle and then now the shift in that, I guess – does that show where we're moving as a, a society, hopefully in a, in a positive direction that, you know, girls of all body shapes or however you want to look is now being celebrated and, you know, you don't have to be seen as like, you know, skinny or I'm not playing rugby. Like is it – do you think that's changing?
2: Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think like when I was going through high school, it definitely wasn't cool to be like tough and sporty and um, – like a bit of a tomboy and, yeah, like there were so many stereotypes that surrounded contact sport for women and um, what you had to look like and what you had to be like. So I think that's changed dramatically in, like, the short time that I've been involved with rugby. And um, you can see that the girls that are joining the sport now come from such different, like, social backgrounds. They come from, like, their body types are all different and they all kind of um, come together and no one feels out of place. So I think, yeah, it's definitely... Changed a lot, but I think it's something for girls that you still have to work on. And um, like I know, our dietitians always sort of got to have chats with the girls that like um, just because you're eating more, it doesn't mean you're just gonna suddenly blow out and be um, putting on ten kilos. Like you do so much exercise that you actually have to fuel your bo- fuel your body properly and prevents injury. Like there's so much more to it, and I guess we're lucky that we get educated through our program, whereas some girls probably. I'm missing that education still. But I think, yeah, the shift's definitely there and it's more positive than it was.
1: Yeah, like talking about that shift, like a, like yourself as well, probably been at the forefront of that in terms of some of the things that you've gone on to do, like modelling, magazine shoots, like uh, you're in like Vogue or Stella or something like that. One of the girls told me that anyway. <laughs> like, can't say I'm an avid reader, but <laughs> no, they, they said to me like, oh, you know, you should ask her about how that feels to kind of that it's breaking down that barrier of, you know, sport can be sexy as well and we can be on these cover shoots and you don't have to be models as well like stick thing models like that how did that feel to be like to hear that that's people look at you and go wow that's amazing that they want her on that
2: um yeah it's definitely really cool I think um like I've always been a confident person and I've um probably never had the same body image issues as like what some of my teammates have had or um some of my friends have had and I think because of sport like I've being able to be confident in my body and um, like I find it empowering that I can do all these things and I can lift weights and like I can play sport just as good as most of my guy friends and like all of those things I find empowering and it's my body that allows me to do it so um, yeah I find that I kind of view my body as almost like a tool to my trade and um, I need to look after it and if I want to be successful like yeah it's going to get me there so does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. No,
1: I was just, like, how, do you, how do you go with the uh, how do you go with the the modelling shoots or the posing for photos and all that kind of?
2: Um, is
1: it foreign to you as a you know as a I know I know these days with Instagram like, <laughs> our whole life is a photograph, but like is it uncomfortable as a footballer? Do you not want to be doing that or?
2: Yeah, there's been like a couple where I've like the scripted ones where I've got to talk and say things, and I'm like, this is so lame. Like I can't believe I'm actually saying this, and like it's my face behind it. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. It's fun. Like most of the crews we work with are super supportive and they always like love that. I guess it's something different on set for them as well. So yeah, I think I do. I enjoy it, but in like a bit of a balance.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't to be really doing too much. I, I, I love watching people who, yeah, they're not, <laughs> not accustomed to. You almost have to act, don't you? You have to act. It's like, if you can't act, it's just, it's tough to watch. We see it on TV all the time. But anyway, um, I just want to go back to the the thing that probably catapulted you into stardom in the last couple of years is the Olympics and the way you performed there. My first question is, where do you keep the gold medal?
2: Um, It's just in my bedside table.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Hasn't been like framed or put up anywhere? No,
2: I love being out of take it out and show kids and um, usually parents are more excited than the children. But, yeah, like I find that I still get asked now to come to events and talk and they always ask me to bring it along. So, yeah, I just sort of got it in a easy spot that's ready to go whenever I need it.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought like I was thinking it'd be at mum and dad's house or something <laughs> or hung up somewhere. Okay. Uh,
2: one day probably. Yeah. But, yeah, not yet.
1: It's pretty cool. I've, I've, I've held one gold medal in my life. I think it was – Grant Hackett's – yeah, a Grant Hackett's medal at, <laughs> after he won in Athens, I think. And that was pretty cool. I remember, like, yeah, yeah like, he brought him down to the um, to the pool where he used to train at Pizzy Park and, like, you know, all the kids what, we got to put on medals and, like, put it where it and take photos. And is that, like, the kind of thrill you get?
2: Guess, yeah. As well? Yeah, definitely. And I think when I first got it, like, my brothers and stuff would – like, if we'd be going out, they're like, let's bring the medal. And I was like, no, maybe not. But, like, there were so many moments with kids that – I'd take it to a school and then, like, you suddenly lose it amongst the crowd and, like, the parents and teachers are kind of so stressed about it. But I was always pretty relaxed. Like, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I think they got so much joy out of seeing it that, like, it was always fine for me just to, yeah, let them touch it and wear it and do whatever they wanted.
1: Well, take me back to winning in in Rio, your kind of overall experience. Like, athletes always say it takes time to sink in an achievement like Mm. that. What do you look back on it as now?
2: Uh, I think for us in Australia and contact sport, it was probably like a massive game changer in the sense that after that, the AFLW started, NRLW started, um, the Super W started for the 15-a-side rugby game. And I think by us playing on like, the world stage and having so many eyes on us normalized women's contact sport a little bit and those other codes almost started to be like oh we need to catch up like these girls are killing it and we don't want our code to fall behind so yeah i think to rugby's credit i know they get a lot of um slack a lot of the time but to take that gamble on us in 2014 i think it was to go full time definitely paid off and um, yeah i think it really like kick started the massive movement for women's sport in australia
1: i think you're 100% right like i remember at the same time i remember being like oh i've got to get up and watch the girls like they were playing <laughs> i know they are playing the gold medal match and like i can't remember what time or what day it was i
2: think it was like, like 8:30 or 9 8:30 it was morning. pretty yeah. yeah
1: yeah that was in my uni days so i probably slept <laughs> a bit then but um, no yeah i remember trying to get up yeah and, and and thinking oh, like these girls are awesome to play and i remember watching you play and you're the best player in the world. I don't know. Like, what, what was it like to, to reach that height for yourself on a personal level, having – kind of knowing what you can achieve and knowing that the whole world's kind of watching this?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, like, when I play footy, I just, like, feel at home and it's something that I'm naturally good at. And um, so I just kind of went out there like it was any other game, um, which I know sounds weird. But for me, it was – there was probably a lot of pressure on me being – coming off like I had a really good couple of seasons leading into it um I was probably the favorite to win player of the year that year and um our team was favorites to win the gold medal um but yeah I don't know I kind of like loved that pressure and living up to it and um I had a shocking start to the first half and like our coach Tim Walsh always sort of talks about how like to be able to change that at I was 21 at the time and um not be fazed by the fact that like I think I had like two errors in two minutes or something, um, which is
1: like a substantial part of a rugby sevens game. <laughs> yeah, so like it's,
2: yeah, like you had I to think turn it around quickly. A lot of twenty-one year olds probably would have been um, down and out by that stage, but for me, I don't know. I just had a lot of belief in myself and my ability, and um, yeah, it kind of. Some things don't really faze me, I guess, when I'm playing footy.
1: What do you remember in the the aftermath? Like, what was it like? Uh, I guess, after you'd won and the celebrations <laughs> and stuff like that?
2: It was like a bit of relief. At, that was probably my first emotion that I felt was definitely relief. Like when they actually scored to end the game, but it was sort of like, can this just hurry up? Like, we've, like we knew we were going to win no matter what, even if they scored. So, yeah, they scored and then, I don't know, it was a bit bittersweet because it's not – it's kind of hard to celebrate when they've just got a try. But, yeah, it was definitely a relief to start with and, like, our friends and family were all there. And, yeah, we kind of, like, had to run back and get changed into our tracksuits really quickly and everyone was excited and, like, my Instagram was going crazy and, like, all of those sort of things. But, yeah, then we went and celebrated with everyone. Bill Pulver put on a big bar tab and let us celebrate. So that was pretty fun.
1: That sounds epic. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and then in the... The, I guess the maybe the week or so afterwards, did you hang around? Did you yeah? Just soak so we it all up?
2: Um, have to stay for the duration of the games. Um, so yeah, we pretty much just went and watched every sport possible that we could watch. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, but that was the year people were, like changing their um, accreditation to go into different sports. Uh, so yeah. we kind of would just like get a sticker and put it on top of our accreditation, so you could sneak into basketball or tennis, gymnastics, like literally anything. Um, yeah, so we pretty much just went and supported and we were so lucky to finish on day three. Um, the men then played four to six and then, yeah, after that we just went and watched all the other sports.
1: What was your favourite event that you saw over the, over the time?
2: Um, well, I got really sick so I didn't get to go to um, the swimming finals and the athletics finals, which was a bit of a shame, but the water polo was really cool. Um, we loved watching that and um I guess it's one of those sports you don't get to see all the time so um yeah that was a good one I thought um we went to tennis and saw Nadal the basketball that was pretty epic I think just being able to watch the boomers and um like because they were really cool guys as well so that was yeah fun to watch them and um they're obviously so successful and some of them are like such big celebrities that it was yeah weird like just being in the lift with them or having breakfast or something with them.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say uh, over the course of uh, the two weeks, like was there an athlete that stood out for you or like, Oh wow. I can't believe um, he or she's right there.
2: Yeah. Probably Patty Mills. He was like, like obviously coming from the NBA and being, is it the NBA or NBL? Yeah.
1: NBA. He played NBL here in Australia. Yeah. NBA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, NBA. NBA. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. So him coming and like coming from, I guess like he's,
1: Yeah, he's from. Paid
2: whatever they paid, millions or whatever, um, and comes to like a village with like a lot of the athletes in that aren't on that level. Like they're obviously amazing at what they do, but they don't get the luxuries of um, playing a game like that. But he was just so down to earth and like always had time for us. Um, Would check in how we're going, wish us good luck. Like he was just like a genuine good guy. And I think, yeah, that kind of was just awesome. And I think the girls just loved the fact that, Someone like that was interested in how we were going, and like genuinely too. It wasn't as though he was just doing it for the sake of it.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a great guy, Patty Mills. Like we actually had him on this podcast. Um, oh, cool! Like only six episodes in or something. And like me and my brother when we started out, we said to ourselves, "Oh, what a dream would be one day to get Patty Mills on." <laughs> and like six episodes in, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, cool. Like I'll I'll come on. That's fine." Like so, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like, he's just one of those guys. Um, but then I mean. Talking of fame, like, how did your life then change after that Games? Like, I imagine it probably um, ramped up in terms of yeah. people knowing who you are and yeah, like the fame aspect of it.
2: It did a little bit. Like, I probably, like, I get stopped when I go out or that, like, a little bit. Um, It's mainly boys. That, mainly know, boys? Mainly boys, yeah. <laughs> really? They, um yeah, like, always ask for photos and stuff, yeah, okay. which is, yeah. um Yeah, it's nice. And I think... Probably, like, one of the coolest things that I experienced since was – it was actually not long after I went back to watch um, the Brisbane State High First fifteen play TSS maybe or – yeah, I think it was TSS. Um, and growing up, TSS sort of were, like, always had, like, this opinion of state school kids, I think. And, like, we always – I hope you didn't go to TSS. No, I didn't.
1: No, <laughs> no I went to a Palm Beach, Grumman, so I'm just a public school kid.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like, we'd come to rugby and the, they'd always sort of have, like, this weird vibe towards us and um, obviously being the only state school in that comp, um, yeah, we kind of stood out a little bit. And then when I <laughs>
1: – Commoners. Looked, yeah, out, looked out upon. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, anyway, so I went to this game and it was like the decider for the season and all these TSS boys wanted to get photos with me and, like, they were so excited. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is cool, like the um, – you know, like an all-boys school has so much interest in – yeah. A female that's playing rugby, yeah, and I think that for us as a society, that was like a really cool point to be at. That, um, yeah, like these young boys were almost idolizing the fact that I'd won an Olympic medal for um, Australia in a sport that they all played as well. Um, which I don't know if like 10 years earlier that would have been so cool, so yeah,
1: no, absolutely, like, yeah, that's a that sums it up perfectly. That you mean teenage boys can be influenced by a female rugby player. Like, yeah, that wouldn't have been heard of, I would think.
2: Yeah, so that was pretty special. And, um, yeah, it was nice just to see, like, yeah, young boys. Because young girls obviously were like, oh, my God, we've never seen girls on sport before. Like, of course, they're going to be, like, moved by it. But, yeah, to see the boys also be influenced was really
1: cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like, in terms of Olympics now, I mean, where are we at? what what do you know like what are your kind of hopes for next year like you're hoping that everything goes ahead like what are they telling you and also for like the actual sevens competition like what happens moving forward moving into next year with you guys
2: yeah so we're like still training full time Um, we're hoping to maybe get like a bit of a hub going with New Zealand and Fiji just to get some games in Um, but in the meantime we'll just play against each other Um, like every four weeks or so we're just doing internal games Oh, well, and then maybe start in April. That's like best case scenario. So
1: that's with go the, to like, Hong the, Kong. Oh, yeah, oh, the actual yeah.
2: To- yeah, the actual tournaments might kick back off in April, best case scenario. Um, and they think they want to get three or four in by the time the Olympics comes around. Um, but yeah, if not, I think they want the Olympics to go ahead no matter what. I think it's really important for Japan and um, for the Olympic Committee. So there's been like chat around whether we, like, quarantine here and then go over, if we quarantine over there as a team, so we can still train and do all of that, um, then play a competition and you pretty much leave straight away. No crowds. Um,
1: yeah, that's, that's what they think. kind of, like,
2: worse. I think that's at this point, if it's, like, exactly as it is right now. Um, but obviously, if there's a vaccine, that kind of changes everything and hopefully makes it more positive.
1: How, how do you think that would be? Like... That would just be such a surreal kind of experience for the Olympics. I mean, it's one thing here in Australia, but like an actual massive international event, no one there, you don't even get to celebrate, you don't get to go watch. Like, have you thought about how that might be?
2: Uh, not really. Like, it would be really weird. But I guess you know that everyone's tuning in on line, and um, it's probably almost like more pressure in the sense that like it's going to be dead quiet and... All eyes on us, literally, because everyone just be watching through the TV screen. So, Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think for all of us, we just want it to go ahead. So, no, no matter how it happens, yeah, we just really are kind of hoping and praying that it does.
1: What about backing up the gold medal? Like, it's one thing to win one, but what about the pressure of trying to defend your title?
2: Yeah, I think the stats around a team winning two medals, like gold medals back to back in a team sports, like, really, really uncommon. So we're kind of, like, aware of that. But I think this extra year for us has been a bit of a godsend in the sense that we had didn't have the best season last year. Like, we were probably coming into the Olympic Games not very confident, um, which was completely different to what we were in Rio. Um, so, yeah, we've got, like, another year, I guess, to prepare, like, toughen up some of the girls and make them a little bit more resilient, I think, and hopefully practice winning because I think um, – yeah, like some of them have never won a cup final, so being actually like knowing how to win is really important, especially in sevens with the momentum swings of the game.
1: Yeah, as you said, the results probably weren't tracking as well, and it's a different kind of feeling, I guess, coming in with, with yeah so much confidence and expecting to win as opposed to coming in not really knowing what's how the team's gelling. But you think it's it's a good thing that you've kind of had more time, do you? Yeah,
2: I think so. Like we've got some really good young girls coming through and um, they probably weren't going to be ready in this year but next year I think they'll definitely be pushing for spots and that just makes the depth within the group better and everyone has to train harder and it just becomes more competitive. So yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing for us necessarily and then um, I guess the Kiwi girls were almost like riding this massive high. They've won back-to-back cup finals for... I don't even know how many they've won in a row now, but like they're on this massive winning streak and they would have been like really hard to beat in Tokyo and obviously losing in Rio, they've sort of got some old wounds there that they want to get redemption on. So um, I think they're probably feeling the opposite, that they've like missed their chance in a way this year to... make the most of that opportunity so
1: might deflate them a little bit yeah maybe hopefully (laughs) hopefully (laughs) because like we need you guys to be beating the all blacks or the girls because we can't seem to beat them in the blokes Mm. so that was like (laughs) I remember in 2016 everyone was like ah we don't care about the blood (laughs) we care about the women's rugby yeah because we are (laughs) killing it um what's the I guess the next um progression then for women's sport in this country you mentioned it before that when the last Olympics rolled around, that really kicked off the whole movement, I guess. With the NRLW, the AFLW, what's next? Where do we go to now? We're another whole Olympic cycle down the track.
2: I think like the AFL's obviously expanded the competition to have more girl, like more teams. Sorry for the girls, which is obviously the way that they've got to go. Um, I know rugby league are looking at doing the same thing, but I just don't know if the depth is there yet to add more teams in because it definitely dilutes what they've got and um I think if you lose the quality in the competition that's sort of when people watching become less interested whereas at the moment like it's quite good quality so um you can attract viewers and people are interested and watching and yeah I think that's probably like my only fear is if they grow the game too quickly um it could end up just sort of making the product not as good quality. So uh, I think that it's got to be really careful and um, I think it all sort of starts at grassroots level. I know like with Rugby Sevens, we really need to find better pathways that we can develop so that girls can play footy the whole way through because, yeah, Rugby League and AFL are just so good at creating those pathways and rugby
0: yeah, just so isn't.
1: <laughs> as you see, I mean, you're probably out there in the community and seeing how much the games for girls all over the the board have grown like do you think within the next I don't know 20 years are we at the point where we you think there could be a full competition like maybe a full NRLW competition that runs the length of the male season same with the AFL and and however the sevens obviously you guys already play a, a full kind of year competition but with the women's rugby full 15 aside as well do you think 20 um, years.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think 20 years is definitely achievable. Um, like, just the progress that they've had so quickly is, like, yeah, puts it in good stead. But um, I think it all kind of starts at the grassroots for everything and they've just got to make sure they look after that before they kind of expand at the top and not get it the wrong way around because I feel like, yeah, sometimes, especially in rugby, they sort of focus at the top and forget about the bottom and then therefore there's no one kind of filtering through. So... Um, yeah, I think 20 years is definitely achievable and I know all the codes are really looking to go that way.
1: That can definitely happen. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, but yeah, if you'd focus too much at the top, but I, I think the NRL especially has been very cautious not mm. to expand too quickly, even though there's probably calls for them to do that. People are like, why are there more than four teams? Why aren't there this and that? Yep. But like, if you look at it, as you said, the quality is unbelievable. Like I remember growing up and the first kind of taste I ever had of, of women's contact sport, um, being Indigenous, we used to go to the Koori Knockout, and the girls would play. And the girls' games were some of the most entertaining. And the probably at that point the skill level wasn't as high, but the physicality was like you watch the girls and like it would just be epic. Like they just dead set kill each other, like in full pace, hammering each other. Like it was like no holds barred. And now the skill levels just really accelerated through the roof where there's girls just throwing 30, 40-meter cutouts, you know, hitting wingers on the chest, all that stuff. Like is that what you've seen, just a total through-the-roof development?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the skill levels, um, like every year you can see it's getting better and the little technical things they're getting better at because the effort's always there with girls and they're um, really good learners. I think they're always like willing to take on board – feedback so I think um like I know coaches I've spoken to love coaching girls because they are just like sponges they just want to take as much information as possible and yeah so I think technically like they've gone so much better but um I think the most entertaining thing about girls is they are always flat out and they like give everything to it and like, they probably sacrifice a lot more than what boys do to be able to play so they always sort of have like a little bit more that they're playing for I guess and it shows on the field I think anyway.
1: It's it's interesting you say that that's sacrificing. Like I've been to a couple of press conferences over the last couple of years where, uh, like, Cricket Australia and other entities have announced like full paid parental leave from like women that have children while they're playing, and like, and some of the girls told stories about how when they were coming through, and especially the cricketers, they had some of the mums literally breastfeeding in the change rooms, and then they go out and and score hundred playing for Australia. Like, and now we're at this point where you know they're giving them full-time, you can go and have children if you want, come back, play. Like, we've seen a lot of tennis players do it. Like, is that moving in the right direction? Have you you seen that, like, kind of, I guess, positive um, support from the governing bodies? Like, I know Rugby Sevens has been professional for a long time and has probably led that way, but is that what you're seeing now across the board?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, we have um, one mum currently in our squad. Um, So, Emily had a little baby girl, Alice, last year um and she was obviously hoping to play the Olympics this year and she played her first tournament in January so um not that long after really giving birth to Alice but yeah like she was so well looked after throughout the whole process and she could come into training if she wanted but they were monitoring her really closely with her heart rate and um making sure that everything she was doing was safe like pelvic floor specialists like they yeah provided so much extra care for her which I think is awesome and then after the baby when she did have Alice like Alice was always allowed to come into training if she needed it, and all of those things because obviously they want us to come back as soon as possible to sort of like get the ball rolling again but um not many mums are probably willing to put babies in daycare at you know two months old so the fact that like yeah she's allowed to bring her in and um the whole of Rugby Australia staff sort of like pitch in and help and yeah it was really nice to see like how much support she was getting and Yeah, she's finally, like, getting back to where she was before a baby. And, um, yeah, I think she wouldn't have been able to do it if she didn't have the support of everyone at the business.
1: Yeah, that's unreal. And, like, some of these women that come back and just achieve so much (laughs) after having children, like, it's crazy. Yeah, especially some of the tennis players as well. You've seen Serena Williams and come back. Like, it's amazing. I I just want to get your thoughts on, I guess, um, when you were probably growing up, you probably didn't have many – I guess, well, you wouldn't have had many female footballers to idolize. Um, like, what's it like now having little girls look up to you? You mentioned before that some of these young guys, that surprises you, but you always said the little girls kind of notice you. And, and um, Gemma, uh, a friend of mutual friend of both of ours, told me, she said you'll be embarrassed by this, but she said you, you're always so giving with your time about, helping out or like making contact with little girls or they might reach out to you or, or things like that you know tell me about that
2: yeah I don't know I think yeah growing up we never had it so it's the fact that they can now see us and um, there's like the saying you can't be what you can't see so the fact that like we are now out there and they can see what we're doing and um, I just yeah try to make myself accessible as accessible as possible and um, my dad's been a massive um, I guess sort of supporter in that and he's always pushed me to do it and um so he also helps like with my Facebook page and if parents reach out like he'll organize to get me to send stuff to them or videos and I try and show up at like grassroots events as much as I can and um I guess there's some athletes out there that probably charge a lot for their time and um that's something that I guess with my parents they've been really generous to kids throughout my whole life so it's sort of been like drilled into me that you do it for the love of the game and um that's literally the only reason I do it I'd never you know want to charge children to talk to me so um yeah I just sort of show up to events when I can or if I meet kids like go to their training sessions there's like I've been to a few Clavelli Crocs training sessions which is the boys rugby league um I met one of their dads at a bar in Randwick, and he was just like, "Do you want to come down?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so like, run around with them, and um, yeah, I just try and get out there as much as I can.
1: Who were your female athletes that you looked up to when you when you were coming through?
2: Uh, mine were probably touch players. Or oh, like I loved Kathy Freeman, and then Nikki Hudson, Hockey Roo, um, and then once I like committed to touch, it was sort of like Emily Hopkin, now Hennessy. She was um one of my idols and now she's like a friend so yeah it was sort of weird in touch because I was always playing so many grades above my age group that um my idols were almost my friends as well um and then like Emily Cherry and the women's sevens she sort of led the way for all of us that did come from touch football so um as much as she's a good friend she's also definitely an idol as well
1: is that weird they never they say never Meet your heroes. But, yeah, you know, I've but, met them all. met them all. And it all worked out, all right? <laughs> it's okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good. Sometimes it doesn't.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can get disappointed. I've been disappointed a few times, but not with girls. Girls are always really nice. Sometimes the boys let you down.
1: Got anyone you can say or you don't want to talk? No, I don't want to talk. All right. Okay. Uh, I have an imagination. Maybe you can tell me off air. Um, what about yourself? Tell me a bit about yourself personally. Like, I... Um, what does Charlotte Caslick like to do when she's not playing rugby?
2: Um, Well, I have a small cattle farm up in Queensland, so I spent a fair bit of time there. But before that took over like half of my life, I guess I, I don't know, like I just love hanging out with my friends, socialising. I like fashion and dressing up and that sort of stuff. Um, I kind of have like a weird personality of all these like, very polar opposite aspects, but, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I don't know. The farm's sort of like my big hobby at the moment and um, probably where I'll see myself post-rugby.
1: So you're a a girly girl who's (laughs) glamour and dresses up, who goes to the farm, who also plays rugby. Yeah. That's very – Yeah, it
2: just doesn't seem to work, but – it doesn't sound like it works, but it does, yeah.
1: Okay, tell me about the, <laughs> the farm. Like, what do you guys do? Like, you've got cattle, you said. Um, I know, so on your Instagram, you've got a few horses. Like, what's the main kind of uh, driver of, of the farm?
2: Uh, yeah, so we eventually want to have, like, our own stud cattle um, line. We run, like, Speckle Park and cross them with Angus. This probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but...
1: No, I, I know what Angus is. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah.
2: um, Speckle Park are, like, white and black... Okay, yeah. Um, speckled coloured yep. ones. Um and my partner's family that's what they worked with when he was growing up, so that's sort of why we chose to go with them. And um I guess in the farming world sometimes like there's not many people that you meet that have like gone out and started it on their own. It's usually passed down through family or yeah, they've sort of like inherited something whereas yeah, we've sort of decided to just start on our own and see where it goes, which is um, daunting. But I think once we can establish what we want to, we'll be really, yeah, we'll be really proud of ourselves, I think, looking back.
1: Who, like, how did that idea come up?
2: Uh, well, yeah, Lewis, my partner, he's always wanted to be a farmer. He grew up, his grandparents are farmers and, Um, both of his uncles were went up to the Northern Territory and were ringers and like that's what he always wanted to do before he started playing football so I think um, once we sort of got ourselves in a good position financially we instead of buying a house we bought a farm Um, and my parents helped us out heaps as well so we bought up where my dad's from um, in Stanthorpe in Queensland and um, yeah my auntie and uncle are out there as well so they've been a massive help and we probably wouldn't have been able to do it if we didn't have good people around us, especially when we're overseas for half the year. So, yeah, we're pretty lucky.
1: Is that the plan post-football? Like, is that we are going to move up there? and?
2: Uh, yeah, it, hopefully. Like, we'd love to expand, um, like buy more property and um, hopefully get more cows and keep building that up. So, yeah, it'll probably be what we end up doing. And I've got a bit of a passion for – Obviously, grassroots. I know I've spoken about it heaps, but I feel like rugby sort of misses out in developing kids in the bush and um, rural communities. So I'd love to be able to connect with those places a lot more because I, yeah, I just don't think rugby's doing the best they can in the rural space. So for me, I'd, yeah, just help there and hopefully change that a little bit.
1: Just i'll get back to the farm in a sec but just quickly you mentioned that there like do you think there's too much you said before like the tss versus <laughs> the the state high kind of dynamic is there is there too much of that in rugby is it too i guess for lack of a better term top end of town and and you know that you're kind of missing out elsewhere
2: yeah i think it is i think like people tiptoe around it but like i yeah dead set i think that it starts at the top again and like people have this opinion of rugby and like once you get involved with rugby I don't think it's like that so much but there definitely is that stereotype around it and I don't think they've done anything to break it down so um yeah you know like I go out to a lot of towns in western Queensland and there's rugby teams out there that have never had a wallaby come and visit them or never had Queensland Reds come out or in New South Wales like never had the Waratahs come out and um to me that makes me really sad that for them to drive a couple of hours or fly whatever it takes for one day of their life could really like change those kids views on the way that rugby's perceived and maybe keep some in the game instead of losing them to other sports.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, yeah, hang on. You should, they should put you in CEO. You, run, <laughs> you can run the joint. Um, on the cows, you, you know, you should talk to, um, and I've, uh, uh, I was telling you before, James Roberts from the Rabbitohs in here before, but him and, and Latrell Mitchell especially, Latrell has a farm <laughs> and they're breeding cows as well and like fully into the same stuff. Like,
2: Yeah, I actually have read it like online and whatever, seen that they've been um, – like that's Latrell's dream, that he always yeah. wanted to go be a farmer. So, yeah, I should hit him up, see what cattle he's breeding and
1: – Yeah, I, I just found that <laughs> Collab. James said that to <laughs> me as well and he was like – Um, Yeah, I'm into cows. It was at the end of the podcast, I was like, oh, let's talk about cows for 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, What about, um, you mentioned it's in Stanthorpe, so you wouldn't have been able to go up for a while Um, with the the border closure and stuff?
2: No, I haven't been up for ages. We can get an ag pass to cross because we've got cattle on both sides of the border. Okay. Um, So, Stanthorpe's just on the opposite side of the border. So, um, we have cattle in Tenerfield, which is on the other side. Um, So, yeah, we have ag passes that can get us across and tending to our cows.
1: Yeah, okay. so you, you can get across. <laughs> yeah, like. I just can't go to Brisbane or Oh, I was going to ask, can you <laughs> smuggle me across? <laughs> I've been home once this year, I can't get home. Um, all right, well, I think we'll just come to an end, but we'll, we'll, I, I would like to do a, uh, a couple of fun questions at the end. Yeah. Uh, just to see what pops into your mind first off the top of your head and we'll, uh, we'll finish with that. So what about... Any hidden talents?
2: Oh, I'm a really good skipper. Skipper? Yeah, like jump rope for heart, yeah. skipping, yeah.
1: Okay. Like the, are we talking the, you know, two girls at either end and you're jumping in the middle or you're just skipping, like just solo skipping, like a like a boxer training or something?
2: Uh, I can do both. I was part of a jump rope for heart team in primary school oh, and wow. it's just something I've never forgotten. Okay. I don't know. I can pick up a rope and still do all the same tricks I could do when I was little.
1: What, the old, like what are the... the Crossovers yeah. and the double <laughs> unders, double, and, yeah, double yeah. unders. Okay, yeah. oh, so you could have maybe if they reintroduced that to the Olympics one, <laughs> that can be, yeah,
2: that can be cross. My next and thing. our next cross code
1: <laughs> move, shortcut, it goes into skipping. <laughs> I'd love like to see that. Now, skipping's. Do you still use it for training? Like,
2: um, yeah, I love it. I try and do it a lot. I think because it's fun and I can do all my tricks and whatever. Um, time goes a lot faster, and I think it's better for you than running. Yeah. Apparently, so yeah. I try and, like, make the coaches have skipping contests with me at training and get some good deals out of it.
1: I I love skipping. Like, I'll always, if there's an exercise I hate at 45 or something, I'll just go, Ah, I'll grab the rope, skip. (laughs) I'm a bit of a bludge. But anyway, uh, what about bad habits? Do you have anything that springs to mind? Someone Or maybe someone else has told you that you...
2: Um, I probably have a few. I'm really messy. That's probably the worst one. I don't know. Is that a bad habit? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I'm very messy. I think I've, yeah, I just, I don't know, the older I get, I just still am messy. I think my mum's hoping that one day I'm going to like grow out of it, but
1: still messy. Is that, is that your worst habit?
2: Yeah, I bite my nails, Yeah. but I um, get them done so I don't bite them. But yeah, if I don't have like SNS on them, I'll bite them.
1: How do you go? Can you play with nails? Can um, you play with.
2: Yeah, they just have to be like not too long. Not
1: too long. Okay. <laughs> do they do the actual. I remember like when you were growing up, they always did the nail checks and that. Do they still do that?
2: <laughs> um, they do it rugby league. Yeah, okay. They didn't. Um, they don't really do it for rugby sevens. Um, but yeah, league, they started doing it. I was like, oh no. But yeah, minor fun.
1: What about just slightly off topic, but. Have you ever had your hair badly pulled? I've just yeah, seen, I've I have I've seen actually, the hair pulling recently. Yeah. It seems like it's a bit of a thing. I was like, have you had it really yanked?
2: Yeah, I um, it would have been like Sevens Nationals one time. I was running and I had like a long ponytail and like my legs fully came off.
0: R- that like I, bad. Yeah,
2: it was like when people slip on a banana. That was like <laughs> the what I did, but it didn't hurt at all. Yeah. It sort of was just like so fast and um, I don't know. I think there's so much to carry on about it, but like – we have long hair, people's hands are everywhere. It's bound to happen. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that bad about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if it's the difference between winning and losing and yeah. a girl's hair, you're going to have to go for it, aren't you? What about uh, superstitions? We've had a few people on this podcast that have had some real strange ones. Uh, do you have anything um, off the top of your head that you have to do before you play or anything strange you have to think about?
2: Um, I don't really have any, cause I'm always like, what if it's not there one day and all I can think about is that I didn't do my weird habit. Um, but I have like a doll that I take on tour still. A doll? Um, yeah. She <laughs> comes everywhere with me. Um, this sort of like a comfort thing. And then myself, Emily and Quirky, two of my teammates, um, we all high five before we run out like a, in a certain order. Okay. But then Emily got pregnant. So she kind of. Ruin. ruin the superstition yeah
1: that sounds you, I love athletes always say the same thing like no I don't really have anything <laughs> except this 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 <laughs> and this which I do <laughs> um so the doll d- describe the doll to me is it like a child's doll that like, no she's doll, like
2: a rag doll yeah um oh, that's weird um she's like part of a living dead doll collection so I used to collect oh, so it's super creepy yeah I used yeah. to collect living dead dolls when I grew when I was little um Oh wow! Yeah, weird. And um, <laughs> she's like all of them are hard dolls, but she's like a soft ragdoll one. And yeah, I've had her since I was ten, and she's come every tour with me since.
1: And like, does she? Do you have to sleep with her, or like, she just yeah? Okay. Yeah, I wow. sleep
2: with her, um, cuddle her. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Do you still have any of the uh, the hard? Yeah,
2: yeah, they're still at home, um, <laughs> back in Brisbane home. Um, so, my mum is sort of like, hey, like, when are we going to get rid of them? But, yeah, I don't know. I could probably sell them as, like, collector items or something. But
1: Is there a market for
2: that? Uh, um, yeah, weirdly there is. Our captain actually sent me, like, a doll's house she went to the other day and was like, oh, I thought of you. And I was like, oh.
0: <gasps> <laughs> so, your poor
1: mum, she doesn't get the Olympic gold medal. <laughs> she gets the creepy doll collection. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it's great. A bit rough. See, I didn't see. I didn't expect that. There's always <laughs> something weird. Every single one, they've always said, no, no, nothing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I do this, this, and this. <laughs> um, what about, would you rather be able to read minds, see through walls, or know the exact age in which you die? It's a bit um, grim, but...
2: Probably read minds.
1: Read minds? Yeah. Why?
2: Um, It would probably be a lot if I could read minds, but I don't know. Sometimes, especially... When you play with girls, um, I'm not sure if you've played mixed touch or anything before. But no, but I've had
1: interactions with human women, yeah. so I'm familiar with wanting like, to know what they're thinking. Sometimes
2: yeah. I'm like, well, you could have just said that. Like, and would have saved us all, like, two days of pondering about, like, why you're so sad or, like...
1: So, girls do that to other girls as well, do they? Yeah. Okay, okay.
2: Like, girls are hard work. And I think if I could read their minds and I could just tell the coach, like, yeah, that's fine. She's all right. Okay, She's just, you know... This is what's going on. Um, or just when they don't understand something, they're not saying like, oh, I don't get it. Like, why do you keep getting angry at me? Like, I just don't get it. They just don't say anything at all. Um, so it would be helpful if I could read their minds
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I think I'd take that too. <laughs> um, we asked this one, most famous person you've ever seen in like a locker room or like in the game sheds afterwards, someone that's come in to congratulate you or congratulate the team. You ever had anyone random walk in?
2: We've had like a few old wallabies, yeah. um, but like obviously girls coming from not rugby backgrounds, sometimes they don't know who they are, yeah. um, which doesn't go down too well, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, I don't know. I feel like like Quade Cooper came and watched one of my first games when I was um, still at high school. I was playing in the club oh, really? 15s comp. Um, but he's now a friend. So, like, yeah.
1: Meeting your idols. You know, all yeah. That old. yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I feel like now I've, in the rugby scene, it's so, um, such a small world that I don't think they're famous as much anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. But <Yeah. They're laughs> it's just, normal man. to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had um Kieran Jack on the. A former swans captain, and he—he'll be tough to beat. He was like, "Oh yeah, the uh, the Dalai Lama came into a sheds once, the swans sheds, started talking to them and stuff." And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's that would be tough to beat."
2: We've never had that.
1: Um, okay, this is a really random one. Uh, like just a total—I've got a mate who thinks of weird animal scenarios. He wants to do a whole podcast on it. <laughs> You've either got a – There's a 50 meter pool, right, mm-hmm. it's filled with water. There's a great white shark in it, just one great white shark. You've either got to get, so you've just got to get from one end to the other. (laughs) You can do it any way you want. You can go along the bottom. You can hug the edge and kind of creep your way around. Whatever you want to do, you've got to do that and get to the end. Or empty pool, five crocodiles in the pool, and you've just got to survive in the pool for 10 hours.
2: Definitely the great white. You
1: go on the great white? Yeah.
2: Crocodiles are scary.
1: But don't you think you're, I don't know, more of a chance on land against a crocodile? Like, you,
2: No, crocodiles you, are savage.
1: I know they are, but apparently they can't run diagonally.
2: Oh, really? Like you so change it's like direction, keep direction for you keep 10 stepping,
1: hours? You, just, <laughs> you know, they're also kind of lazy. They just kind of sit yeah, down. Yeah, they like sunbaking and stuff. Yeah, but um, you go the shark?
2: Yeah, I think I'd go the shark.
1: Strategy, how are you attacking this?
2: Um, I'd just probably try and like be gentle.
1: Gentle. Just you, try
2: not to, like, attract them to me.
1: So, you're going to go – are you going to go underwater and just try and do them? Maybe one, creep hit, along the side. Creep along the side. Yeah.
2: Can you jump out if they're coming no. close?
1: No. <laughs> no. you just – it's – Yeah, it, I don't know. If it decides to eat you, you're And then
2: what are you to do, like, punch them or something if they get yeah, close? Yeah, if you want yeah. to. Yeah.
1: That, that works. Sounds easier
2: than I think it would be, but, yeah, and crocodiles are just way too scary. I agree. I Yeah, 10 hours. That's a long time.
1: It, the original question was 24. I've dropped it. I went down. I thought 24 is too long.
2: Yeah, yeah, still no nah, no chance.
1: Nah. Well, Mick Fanning punched the shark and that seemed to work for him. Yeah. Um, one person you'd love to meet but
2: um, still got to be alive. Um, I probably – this is uh, probably frowned upon these days, but Donald Trump.
1: You'd love to meet I'd him? I'd love to meet
2: him, okay. yeah. I don't know. I think people are so mean to him and I – yeah, I'd love to meet him.
0: Wait, do Just, you say people are mean to him? Yeah. you feel sorry for him?
2: Yeah, sometimes <laughs> – um, that's a that's
0: a hot take yeah okay
2: yeah I don't know. people are so mean to him, and I feel like he'd just be like he's done so much in so many different aspects of business, obviously public service, everything yeah. um yeah I think he's an intriguing person yeah like he's absolutely
1: yeah be, um regardless of what you think of his politics like, yeah he's a very intriguing person who's lived a pretty incredibly uh i guess a lack of a better word, amazing life yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: you don't see many people go from being a billionaire, having everything they want, to then stepping down and being a public servant. So, yeah,
1: and um, I guess yeah, just the way he's kind of done it. I, I I'd agree. I have a fascination with yeah,
2: I've, yeah. So do I. That's really well. a good yeah. word. I'm a little bit fascinated by him. I listen to podcasts and stuff on him.
1: Okay, yeah, really. Oh, mm. ah. yeah, that's interesting. That that was not <laughs> the answer I was expecting.
2: Or Kylie Jenner.
1: Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Okay. Is she your your girl crush? Is she?
2: Yeah, also, I don't know, like I want to be like, did you actually come up with all these ideas for your business or does someone else just do it for you Okay. sort of thing? It's
1: literally the funny thing you should mention that yesterday I was caught, uh, my girlfriend was watching an episode of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians and it's not my thing, but uh, it was a, an old one and Kylie was like
2: – Oh, and a little –
1: Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe 10 – and I was, she was like, that's Kylie. I'm like, get yeah, That's not the same person.
2: <laughs> yeah, she looks very different these yeah. days. Yeah.
1: I know. Um, and it's funny to think that she's gone on to be what the richest of all of them, mm. like of all those people.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, insane. 800 million or something she's worth.
1: Wow. Okay, so mm. Donald Trump or Kylie Jenner. It's an interesting, yeah, it, interesting yeah. mix of people. <laughs> <laughs> Have you... Uh, This is a strange question to ask. Probably shouldn't ask it, but have you seen the film clip with the the who is it? Cardi B and the uh, Kylie Jenner's in it. Yeah, yeah, the wap song.
2: Um, No, I haven't actually. Some of our teammates constantly do the dance, but um, I don't know. I'm not that big a fan of it. It's, it's... To be honest. ...confronting. Yeah, it's, it's a bit much.
1: It's, it is a bit much. But yeah, there's Kylie Jenner's just this random cameo, yeah. just out of nowhere. She just, just walks out walk in a leopard in print. print. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Whatever. It's not the weirdest part of the song anyway. <laughs> um, what about uh, sledging? Like, are there, do the girls sledge
0: like the guys do? Do you...
2: Um, I think girls do a little bit, but it's not, like, funny. Um, so, like, my first NRLW game, actually... Um, The whole time it was just like, kill her, like, you're shit, like, she's so shit, someone kill her. And I was like, okay, well, like, I'm not shit to start with, but like, you could probably come up with something a bit more creative. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? I was like, "Mm, it's not really like bothering me that much um, that you guys think I'm shit, but yeah.
1: Get better at sledging.
2: Yeah, I think they need to get better at sledging.
1: See, that's the funny thing about guys and people say, oh, whatever they can say about footballers, but when it comes to <laughs> creative sledging and nicknames and yeah, just they, good banter. Awesome. Awesome at it. Yeah. Like, it's just, they're very funny. Like, And so the girls are a bit far behind on that, you reckon? Yeah.
2: And then I think girls take it a little bit more personally as well. <laughs> so like at training or whatever, it kind of gets to this point of like sledging, fun banter, and then suddenly it's like a proper, do we hate each other now or like... Where do we go from
1: here? Take it more Yeah, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, have got that uh, leave it on the field, bit more down pat.
2: Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe in 20 years when it's professional and we're all there, we're there all, might be queens of it. We're all working
1: <laughs> it. Okay, final question. Uh, and thank you for being such a wonderful sport and, and giving your time to come on. Uh, it's been such a, an entertaining chat. But your advice for future generations, young girls listening to this, young aspiring athletes, um, what, what would you say to them?
2: It'd probably be just don't say no to opportunities because I think like I got pretty close to saying no to a few opportunities and um, I'm so glad that I didn't and people kind of pushed me in the direction to say yes. So yeah, getting out of your comfort zone and saying yes to those opportunities because you don't really know where one can take you and then it leads to all these amazing things. So um, and then maybe... Um, If you're not making mistakes, then you're not learning. Um, I think that's a key one for me. Like, I've made heaps of mistakes and I play a sport that revolves around making mistakes. And, yeah, we try and learn from them and they make us better players and people at the end of the day.
1: When you say um, that, that, was rugby one of those things that you almost said no to?
2: Yeah, and, like, even the NRLW recently, like, there was so many times that I was so close to being, like, not, like, I don't need to do this. Like, it doesn't really... You know, yeah. like, I don't actually need to do it, but I think for myself, like, once I said yes and got out of my comfort zone, like, it's been a really good experience for me. So, yeah, like, both of those things.
1: Yeah. So, mm. you, you what, well, you felt like you didn't have anything to prove or it was just more like, oh, I, I just, I don't...
2: Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I had literally, like, 12 months of niggly injuries and I was like, if I go and get injured, like, what does this mean for me? And do I go back to rugby? Like there was so many questions around it and like I still had an Olympic game. So it was like, no one's going to really be bothered if I don't play. Um, but yeah, it was more for just me and kind of getting through that initial, um, I guess, sort of uncomfortable zone that I was in and pushing through it. And yeah, it's been really fun. So I'm glad I did it.
1: Yeah. And you killed it. And <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Sorry, as you said, the back injury, but it's yeah, what, eight it to ten a, or something you said. Yeah, so. and it's not
2: soft tissue, so I'm stoked. Yeah, it wasn't my
1: fault. Fine, and yeah. just relax and then uh, start the Tokyo preparations. Yep, which, uh, that's it. and hopefully we are. Yeah, the Olympic Games is good to go next year. Um, Charlotte Kazlik, thank you so much for for coming on the Refuse to Lose podcast. It was an awesome chat, and I really appreciate your time.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, guys. We've got plenty more episodes coming your way very soon. Don't forget to follow the Refuse to Lose podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to talking to you again soon.